Sure, it's an injury law show right here. Talk Radio AM 640. The number anytime to get a hold of Savannah is 416-216-5910. Couldn't be simpler. And it is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. That is your email. We'll get to the injury calculator. If you're not familiar with this tool, we will touch on that very shortly. But as we always do, my friend, we get into the week that was. That's right. And, and John, uh, it was a very, very busy week, uh, not the least because uh, Lior and I were actually away the week before for a few days. Uh, we were actually taking a negotiation course, advanced negotiations at, at uh, Harvard. So now you're a Harvard grad. Uh, yeah, technically, kind if of, you call right? it that, after three days, <laughs> after exactly. Three days. <laughs> uh, but, but I'll tell you, the, uh, the, the interesting thing about that course is that it, it did deal with, with very um, interesting concepts in negotiations. And these are things that happen on a daily basis in our line of work, whether it's employment law or dealing with insurance disputes, personal injury, we are negotiating all the time. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many times I've been in front of, uh, of of lawyers and mediators, and you know it was just too easy to negotiate the best deal that I could against my client. And listen, I'm not necessarily the best negotiator out there, but you have to have basic techniques. And, and that course certainly reinforced it for me. So let me go through a few cases that really exemplify that and, and will really drive the point home on how important it is to have a lawyer uh, if, if you are injured uh, in a car accident or if you're facing a uh, long-term disability insurance company that's not paying you, how important it is to have someone that doesn't just understand the law but understands how to negotiate and maximize the, um, the, the, the settlement that is owed to you and the compensation that is owed to you. Well, this, this, I mean, this Harvard course here, is this just specifically for lawyers or was it for, it could no. be used for anything? Car it, for it could anything. be used for anything. We had people from all over the world. We had people from Iceland, from wow. Australia. We had CEOs. There was somebody from the NBA, one of the executives there. Uh, I mean, you're talking about people who negotiated uh, international treaties. And the cool thing about it, John, is that I was, uh, you know, every, every day uh, we were at different tables with different people mm-hmm. and we were actually negotiating against them uh, with different exercises. And, and, you know, believe it or not, one of those exercises was actually uh, an, an employment uh, type agreement. No. So Lior loved that. Uh, but, but, you know, again, whether you're negotiating uh, with your spouse, whether you're buying a car, whatever it is, uh, these techniques are of utmost importance. And, and, you know, especially when we, Lior and I, on a day-to-day basis negotiate with other lawyers, uh, with employers, with uh, big companies, you have to have what it takes to be able to maximize the settlement for your client. Well, it speaks to the dedication and the uh, you know determination of your firm when you guys will be going to Harvard to take courses that are specifically for what you do, right? Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. Anything that gives us an edge, right. anything that gives our clients an edge, right. we will sign up for that. Absolutely. Okay. Week that was. So week that was. So I, I, got, I got an interesting email, and I was corresponding with this lady uh, who actually posted the question initially on mydisabilityquestions.ca. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, I'm just going to read you excerpts from, uh, from her email. Uh, she, she says, I've been on long-term disability for almost two years because of a slip and fall injury. Uh, and uh, after her discovery, which is a process in the, in the claims process against the insurer, she says, my lawyer hinted at an amount that might be offered to me for settlement. No formal offer was actually made, but he hinted at it. And she says, I was very surprised at the amount that he mentioned. She says that obviously she thinks he had a conversation with the other lawyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, the concern was that the amount that was being offered or suggested would not cover her pain and suffering, let alone, she says, her past and future income losses. So she has been unable to go back to work. She, then she writes, when I reminded him about my income loss, uh, he said that it's not much because she's still being paid by LTD, by long-term disability, and she's only entitled to a percentage of the remainder that she's losing. Then she says that she's losing about $20,000 a year, and she's 55 years old. And she goes on and says a few other things. 
So we went back and forth and we talked about some of the issues. I asked for some more questions. And the reason I'm, I'm outlining this is because it is so critical to understand how one of these claims uh, progresses. Look, John, if, if you're in a situation where you're injured and you're coming to me, I'm going to explain to you exactly what is owed to you. Right. If you are unable to work, but at the same time you're getting long-term disability, there has to be some kind of a set-off, right? Because you're not, it's, it's not like you're losing 100% of your income. You're getting something from mm-hmm. your disability sure. insurer. But then the question is, well, are you entitled to the rest of that money going forward, right? right? So if disability is paying you $4,000 a month, as an example, but you used to earn 10000 a month, are you entitled to that 6000 And again, there are different considerations here. And when we went through the entire analysis, I think that at the end of the day, she understood where she stood in the claims process, what kind of questions she needed to ask her lawyer. And and here's another little interesting twist. I asked her, who is that lawyer? And so she told me who the lawyer and who the law firm is. Mm-hmm. And John, I got to tell you, that lawyer has a good reputation. Sure. And again, when somebody calls me up and I see issues with a claim, I'm not going to immediately tell them, listen, you should jump ship, come to me or you know, find another lawyer. If I think that lawyer or that law firm knows what they're doing, I'll still engage in that conversation. I'll provide that second opinion. But most likely, I'm going to dissuade that person from jumping ship. Because if I'm comfortable that the lawyer or the law firm that that person is using is good, right? If that, if that law firm knows what they're doing, it's probably just a miscommunication or yeah. a lack of communication. So for people out there, you have these kinds of questions. Everyone has these kind of questions when in the, they're, they're in that situation. Oftentimes, they feel intimidated. They don't want to ask the lawyer, so they'll ask the assistant, but they're not going to get necessarily all the answers. Book a time. Go see your lawyer. Make sure you have a list of questions. Make sure you go through everything. Very, very important. Plus, you mentioned before, you know, when when referring to jumping ship, it, it could be at a point in their process where, hey, you know what? If they jump now, it's going to cost them a few bucks because they've been pretty pretty in deep with this law firm. So you're like, no, don't do that. Yeah, absolutely, you know what I mean? absolutely. And you know, and, and that's a big concern in in the profession with lawyers that, you know, lawyers have a, a negative. There's a negative perception out there mm-hmm. that uh, it, it's it's a free for all, and and you know, just because I do something uh, differently than another lawyer, then I'm going to convince you to just come to me. And, and I'm going to tell you that that lawyer doesn't know what they're doing. No, there are certain lawyers who don't know what they're doing. There are certain lawyers who are exceptional at what they're doing. And if I recognize uh, the lawyer that you are using, if I recognize the law firm, and I think that they are a good law firm, I'm going to tell you that. If I don't think they're a good law firm, I'm just not going to say anything. That's just the reality. I'm just going to keep mum. It's, yeah, it's a small community when it comes to It's a small community. It, right? I'm not, yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, reputation is everything. But you as an individual, if you are facing this, if you are the one who's injured or a family member that's injured, you have to ask questions. She's concerned here that the settlement that's being hinted on is not going to compensate her for mm-hmm. the tune of $20,000 a year. Wow. And she's 55 years old. I mean, God, that would concern me hugely. Completely. Right? I mean, yeah. you have expenses, you have a mortgage, you have kids. You have to know where this money is going to come from, uh, and you have to know what the breakdown is of any eventual settlement. We'll get to more of these in just a moment. Stand by. The number to get a hold of Savannah anytime. Outside of show hours, it's his own number, private number, 416-216-5910. Anytime for an email as well. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Lots more of the Insurance and Injury Law Show coming right up. Talk radio, AM 640. And back with more of the Insurance and Injury Law Show. The contact anytime to get a hold of Savannah. It's his, uh, it's his number right on his hip. Gives it out all the time. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to a few emails as the uh, show progresses here. But we're right smack in the middle of the week that was. Get to our second one, yeah? Right. So I, I had a question. This is not a negotiation question, but it's a question that uh, was sent to me. 
uh, which I found interesting. The subject line of the email is four and a half years, question mark. So, of course, I opened that up, yeah. and, uh, and I'm going to read you exactly what this nice. lady wrote. Uh, she wrote, could you tell me if it's common practice for a case to take four and a half years to go to pretrial? I slipped and broke my ankle at a venue in 2012 in Toronto. Uh, I can be contacted, and she gave me her number. Uh, so, so I'm just going to answer this question on okay. the air without giving her number and her name. Uh, the answer is it depends. These kinds of cases should not take four years, four and a half years, five years, six years. And I'm telling you, John, there are people out there right now listening saying, but my case has been going on for six years now. Right. Unless you're extenuating circumstances, no, that should not happen. It does take time for these claims to go through the process because, look, if you're injured, you slipped and fell yesterday on, on a sidewalk uh, and you broke your ankle, we need to know what's going to happen in a few weeks, in a few months. Are you going to need surgery? Mm-hmm. Are you going to be able to go back to work? We need to see what's going to happen because that will affect the outcome of the claim in terms of compensation. Clearly, someone who gets injured and recovers 100% within a week is not going to be entitled to the same compensation as somebody who slipped and fell, broke their ankle, hasn't been able to work for two years now. I mean, the claims are just completely different. The quantums are huge. Uh, the quantum is huge on, on, on you know the latter scenario. Uh, that said, that said, what I do find when people come to me with these kinds of questions is, you know, when I dig deeper, uh, I, I, I find that uh, what happened was that nothing was done on the claim. So let's say they slipped and fell or let's say they, uh, uh, they had an accident right. and, and the lawyer that they hired started a claim close to the two-year mark. So two years were already lost from the date of the incident or close to two years. Well, guess what? Now it's going to take another year or two years or whatnot to resolve the case. So in their mind, it's like, oh, my God, it's been four years since this happened. And I don't know if this is what happened with this lady who emailed me because she she says she fell in 2012. But I wouldn't be surprised because it's such common practice for lawyers to sign up an individual, get them to sign that retainer agreement and say, okay, you know what? I'll take care of it. Meanwhile, the person doesn't hear anything from that lawyer for six months, for a year, for a year and a half. And just before the expiration of the limitation period, two years, uh, they suddenly they're told that a claim has been initiated. How does this benefit the lawyer? I, I don't it understand this. It does not. It's just human nature. You know, I had a professor once uh, that said to me, a psychology professor, that the problem with human nature is human nature. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and you know, that's and not going to be applied in almost any context, but that's the only way I can explain this. Look, I, I've heard lawyers say, well, let's wait for a year at least to see how you progress. Mm-hmm. But look, let's say you're in a car accident and, you know, you were earning $50,000 at the time of the car accident working somewhere in a factory, in an sure. office, whatnot. And six months down the road, you're still unable to go back to work. You've tried two times and you failed. You're unable. You go to your lawyer, you tell your lawyer, look, I'm still not not able to work. I'm getting income replacement benefits, but it's nothing compared to what I was earning before. You know, I wasn't at fault for the accident. Can we do anything? And the lawyer's response, if there is one, is, well, wait a second. We're going to have to wait for that one-year mark. We need to see, you know, what happens. Again, we've heard that time and time again, this one-year mark or, or wait for almost two years because, you know, we need to really understand the full extent of your injuries. We need to see what happens over the course of a year or of two years. Absolute nonsense. In some situations, you do want to wait a little bit because you know what? I'm not going to drag someone through the process unless I think that an eventual compensation is going to be worthwhile for them. Right. I'm just, I'm not. But if somebody is already having difficulties several months after getting back to the way they were before the accident, maybe they had surgery and the surgery, you know, didn't go as well as planned. Maybe the therapy, maybe they've plateaued 
with right. with the treatments. You know, they're seventy percent better, but that's it. They've maximized the recovery at that point, and they're sixty one years old, and they have difficulty moving their shoulder, and that's impacting a lot of things that they do around the home. You know, once you get to a certain point. There shouldn't be an arbitrary date that is set by the lawyer. Here's when we're going to start the claim. No, the two-year limitation period is the maximum time frame within which you can issue a claim. No one said that you have to wait for two years to start the claims process. So again, and by the way, that's very frustrating for defense lawyers and for insurance companies because you know if you start the claim after two years or almost two years, Let's say you resolve the case a year, two years, three years later, there is prejudgment interest that accrues on that amount. Yeah. So insurance companies don't want to see these kinds of claims lag as well. So, you know, it's to no one's benefit. And to answer your question, why do lawyers do it? Human nature. The only time, or at least I think you've said in the past, is when they will wait is if it's a child because there's there's growth involved, right? Absolutely. When you have a child, it's very difficult to, um, you know, to just settle a case just like that because you really want to make sure that you understand the full impact of the injuries on the child. Mm. And, and, you know, uh, when you have cases dealing with injuries to children, any settlements that are arrived at have to be approved by a judge. So judges have a special responsibility wow. in our system to make sure that, you know, you don't don't just have a, a quick and dirty settlement, uh, which unfortunately does happen occasionally. That you know lawyers try to do that, uh, and 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 in those situations you may have to wait. You may have to wait ten years, right? But th- th- these are exceptions to the general rule. These kinds of claims uh, generally do not take or should not take that long to resolve. Another situation is, and I've had that happen to me, where I had a lady who had a car accident. We were about to resolve the claim within about a year and a half after the accident. Mm-hmm. So this is really, really fast. We're not yeah. talking about a year and a half after we started the claim. It's a year and a half after the accident. That's very fast. Uh, and, and you know, she got into another accident. Not her fault. Really? Well, na- now we have this interplay of, well, what injuries were caused by the first accidents? What injuries were caused by the second accident? Right. You can't just resolve one without the other. I've seen lawyers do that. It's a mistake in most circumstances. You can be prejudicing your client because you're going to have you know, the insurance company for the second accident saying, hold on for a second, we're not going to pay a dime because everything came from the first accident. So you have that kind of apportionment of who's responsible for right. what. So you know, when you have this multiplicity of accidents, it may take longer because you're resetting the clock, essentially. There's a really cool tool called the Injury Calculator. We'll go into detail uh, in that after a short break here, and then we'll get to some questions as it pertains to LTD. If you have email, you want to send us one, we'll read and get through some of those as well. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca, and the phone number anytime for Savan, 416-216-5910. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM640. Insurance and Injury Law Show, the number 416-216-5910, and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Here we go, injurycalculator.ca. Give me some details, man. All right. It's an anonymous and free tool for anyone to use. If you go to that website, injurycalculator.ca, if you've been injured, if you know someone who's been injured in a car accident, in a slip and fall, in any type of an accident where someone was at fault, Right, you know, somebody forgot to clear the ice uh, right. in a plaza that you were walking, or somebody hit you uh, from behind with the, with the car. Uh, you know, and you've been injured. You can go to that website and you input a few uh, key pieces of information, such as the accident date, how old you are, the type of injury, uh, and literally it takes you 20 seconds to do. Uh, and there's a few screens. And what it does is, at the end, it tells you, it gives you a range of what you can expect to get for your pain and suffering if you decide to start a claim. Right. Now, again, it's very, very important to understand that this is not something that we simply 
came up with just like that. You know, I, I figure, John, you know, your 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 knee injury is worth eight hundred thousand dollars. No, no, it's not not realistic. What we did is we had our team go through and sift through uh, uh, tons and tons of cases, legal cases across the country, compile them into a database, create an algorithm, and that algorithm, once you input the information, searches the database and says, look, uh, uh, look, in 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 other cases similar to yours, you know, similar age, similar injury, similar severity and impact of the injury, here is what judges have said that people are entitled to. And again, keep in mind, this is anonymous. You're not putting your name there. You're not putting your number. This is just a free tool. Because when people call a personal injury lawyer, they often ask, well, you know, what is it even worthwhile for me to pursue this? What can I expect to get? And, And, you know, it's a loaded question because it really depends on many, many factors. But you know, if you tore, if 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 you know you, you tore your your meniscus in your yeah. knee, or if you tore your shoulder, or you, you suffered the compression fracture, or just you know soft tissue type injury that became chronic, a chronic pain syndrome, uh, you know, if you go to this website, you'll be able to get a range of what you could potentially be looking at as compensation for your injury. Injurycalculator.ca is the website you'll want to check out. I mentioned uh, some emails we get through today. We'll get to one right now from Mary. More of a question says, have you ever dealt with a situation where a long-term disability insurance adjuster tells someone not to bother going to a lawyer because they simply won't be able to do anything about a denial of a long-term disability claim? Mary, this wow. is a, it's a good question because uh, it's rare for me to get people telling me that, uh, but it has happened in the past. And I can tell you that uh, if you were told that or somebody is told that by an adjuster, that can give rise to a punitive damages claim against the insurer. So imagine, John, that you are disabled. The insurance company has been paying you for a year, but then they cut you off. And it was an incorrect decision on their part because all your doctors are, are writing reports saying that, no, you're still disabled from working. Right. And so, you know, you go back to the adjuster, you call them up, or you email them, and you tell them, listen, this is the wrong decision. I am unable to work. I need, I need this money. And they tell you, no, you've been cut off. It's the correct decision. And by the way, don't bother going to a lawyer. Not only would I start a claim for the compensation for the benefits that are owed to this individual, but I would probably add a punitive damages component because that's just completely outrageous. If anything, an adjuster should be telling the person, look, you have X amount of time to start a claim. They should be advising you of your legal rights it just at, at, at an absolute bare minimum so that you know, you're aware what, what, what all your options are. At the end of the day, the insurance company is there to be a safety net for you. Unfortunately, in many circumstances, not only are they not a safety net, but you feel that they are actually an adversary. You have to fight them. And in a way, you can say that the person is being victimized twice because they're disabled, they're struggling with their disability, and then they have to deal with this insurance company that is just pressing on them, you know, and making their lives even more miserable. That's when you contact me. That's when you call me or email me. And again, within five minutes of talking to you, I can tell you if you have a case or not. Can punitive damages be quite a bit? Yes, they can be, although it depends on the case and it depends on what you can prove. Right. So it's not enough to say this person said X, Y, and Z. We have to be able to prove that. But yeah, I mean, listen, we've had cases here in Canada where people have been awarded hundreds and hundreds of thousands of punitive damages. It's a lot more common in the U.S., yeah. Uh, here in Canada, Canadian courts, you know, shy away from the million dollar awards. Not uh, as crazy. They're not as crazy, not <laughs> nearly as crazy, but certainly you can get them. And I'll tell you this, oftentimes it's not about going all the way to court, to trial, to get that amount, to get that head of damage, the punitive damages. It's about creating leverage when you try to settle the case. Remember we talked about negotiation at the beginning? Yes. I try to use everything in my disposal to leverage the best resolution, the best settlement I can with the insurance company for the benefit of my client. 
if we can do it, great. If we can't, we're just going to plow forward and right. go forward. But eventually, the insurance company will understand that they have to pay. Got a couple minutes here before we get into a break. I want to start uh, our conversation on long-term disability because we get emails and phone calls for it all the time. And I'll start with this. So often people, you know, on long-term disability, they see the writing on the wall and they know their disability insurer is just about to cut them off. Uh, should they wait to contact you or contact you as soon as they start seeing the, uh, you know, the proverbial writing on the wall? As soon as you see it. And I say that for two reasons. Number one, uh, we've had cases where people contacted us just before it happened. And by just before, I don't mean, you know, a day before. I mean, a few weeks, a few months, perhaps. And we've been able to actually intervene and persuade the insurance company, the adjuster, that they should not be cutting off this person. I remember of one specific situation that happened just a few weeks ago uh, where this lady was absolutely panicked because she had all these financial obligations with her kids. And and it was just crazy. And both she and her husband were absolutely panicking that she was going to get cut off. And, you know, when I looked at the medical reports from her psychiatrist, uh, from from her other treating uh, uh, doctors, I, I actually didn't see any basis for the insurance company saying that she should be cut off. We, we intervened and I, I, I put, you know, the gun to the insurance company's head, you know, legally speaking. Mm-hmm. I said, listen, uh, it's very simple. There's absolutely no basis for this cutoff that's coming. If you cut this person off, the next day you're going to get a claim on your desk seeking X, Y, and Z in compensation as well as punitive damages. You're going to have to hire a defense lawyer who's going to tell you that you made a mistake. And you're going to have to pay back retroactively everything uh, that my client is entitled to. And guess what? You're probably going to have to pay for some legal fees because my client uh, had to come to me and, and hire me. So in that particular case, we're actually able to resolve the claim, meaning that my client was not cut off and we just agreed that we would stay in touch. So oftentimes, we can actually intervene and avoid a cutoff. And the other reason, by the way, why you should uh, call me if you see the writing on the wall is right. because oftentimes I can tell you to do certain things to make it easier down the road to fight the insurance companies. Nice. So there are certain steps that you can take that would actually make it easier to either reinstate your benefits down the road or negotiate the best resolution, the best settlement that you can get from this insurance company. You ever wonder what your pain and suffering amount would be anytime if you're off? You can do it now without calling a lawyer. You can still call Savannah anytime, but you can start with the injury calculator. Go to www.injurycalculator.ca. And if you per, uh, prefer to call Savannah directly, very simple, 416-216-5910. And the email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Lots more of the insurance and injury law show coming right up on Talk Radio, AM 640. The Insurance and Injury Law Show right here, Talk Radio, AM640. Anytime is 416-216-5910. That will get you right to Savannah. It's his own number and help at the insurancelawyer.ca. We'll continue our conversation uh, this week on long-term disability. So if the long-term disability insurer says that they are cutting you off because you no longer qualify for benefits, is uh, is that set in stone? Who makes that decision, by the way? It's not, it's not set in stone. It's generally done by the adjuster. Perhaps they're... Speaking with uh, the manager, perhaps there is a team. It depends on the insurance company and the structure mm. of the decision-making process, and, and those structures change occasionally. And and there, there are different um, considerations that they weigh in order to decide if to cut someone off or not or if to deny a claim or not. But one thing to understand is that, no, these decisions are not set in stone. And how do I know that? Because whenever you get cut off or even denied in the first place, you're invited to appeal that decision. Well, what right. does that mean? By, by inviting you to appeal, they're telling you that it's not set in stone. But when people get denied or when people get cut off, immediately panic sets in. And it's a natural, it's a natural sure. uh, uh, you know, response. But it's very important to understand that you know, it's not the end of the world. All you have to do is just give me a call or send me the denial letter. Let me take a look at it. Let me ask you a few questions. 
And I'll tell you, listen, you either have a claim or you don't. And I have situations where people come to me and I explain to them what is long-term disability, what the criteria is, and why it is that uh, they, they, they do meet the criteria, in other words, that they should be getting paid, or why they should not. I mean, I, I don't tell everybody that, you know, just, just as a black and a surgeon, you're entitled uh, to disability just like that. You have to meet certain criteria. There is a test that you have to meet. There is documentation we have to show. But that's what, that's what we're here for. We're here to assess that and tell you if, in fact, uh, you know, you're able to, to, to uh, not appeal the denial but fight the denial. Well, yeah, I mean, you've worked on the injury, uh, or at least the insurance side of this before you open your own practice. So how do insurers even decide, you know, when to cut someone off or deny their claim? Don't they even know that a lawyer like you is going to give them a call and say hello? No, absolutely not. In fact, the majority of people out there just walk away. I mean, think about it, John. You playing are, the odds, huh? They're, they're playing the odds because people are disabled. I mean, they're they're fighting with 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 their disability. They're they're going to appointments with doctors. They have other life's pressures. It's just another thing they have to deal with. And they figured, you know what? This insurance company, this mammoth organization, there's no point even trying to take them on, not understanding that this is the game that many insurance companies play. Look, again, I've said it before, I'm not trying to paint every insurance company and every adjuster with the same brush, but the reality is that when they cut people off, they hope, at least that's the hope, that people will simply walk away. And there's no reason to do that. At the very least, get the advice. At the very least, understand what your options are. And, and you know, John, we had a few weeks ago uh, this scenario, um, the particular case that I was talking about, and without going into any specifics because that case was settled, uh, it, it, it was a lady um, not, not far from Toronto here who called, her mother actually called after listening to the show. This was a, uh, last year at some point, And her daughter was cut off uh, from long-term disability. She was making, uh, I think, around $90,000 a year. Uh, young lady in her 40s. And, and, you know, John, she was simply told, we can't understand exactly what your disability is. We're not saying you're not disabled, but we, we can't understand what the disability is. The doctors are, are not sure exactly what is wrong with you, so therefore we're going to cut you off. And we ended up resolving the case uh, for a, a um, mid-six-figure uh, uh, settlement. Wow. And, 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 and again, understand that this lady came to me after being told, you are owed nothing, we have to pay you nothing. Well, why is it that a year and a half later, they cut a check for so much money. Right. Why is that? Right. Because they understand that if they didn't, the consequences, if they take this too far, is going to be a lot, a lot worse for them. But they are banking on people simply not fighting, giving not up. standing up, giving up. 416-216-5910, Savan's number, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca is the email. Roger from Ajax writes in, my father has been on LTD uh, for several years and just got a letter from his insurer offering him a lump sum settlement of his claim. What happens if he says no to that? So that's also something that happens uh, quite frequently, and there's one particular insurance company that comes to mind that does make these kinds of offers. There's nothing wrong with insurance companies offering lump sum. Now, let me, let me just talk about what that means. It means that, let's say you've been on disability for the last three years. Let's say you're 55 years old. Uh, under your policy, you would be entitled to 10 more years of disability. Insurance company writes you a letter saying, you know what, uh, just so that we can close the claim now, we're going to pay you uh, in a lump sum, meaning in one amount, in one check, your disability payments for the next five years. So you say to yourself, but wait a second, I could potentially be entitled to 10 years worth of disability. But then again, maybe they'll cut you off in two years or three years. What they're offering you is they're offering you this uh, five years worth of disability in cash right now, right? They're going to write you a check. 
In exchange for that, they want you to release them from any further claims. So this is it. You're done. You're done. But you know what? Sometimes it's 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 actually a good thing to do. Sometimes there there, there are reasons why you may want to do that. Perhaps. Uh, you know, you have certain financial obligations, and this would alleviate a lot of the concerns that you have. And and you know, perhaps uh, you think maybe you will get back, uh, you know, to the workforce at some point, and you want to see if you can negotiate not something now. Is that something I would throw over to you and get your advice Absolutely. on? You, you would weigh out the pros and cons of whether say no, no, hang in for ten years. This 100%. is no good. Or go yeah, for and, it. and I can, yeah, and, and again, it really it's very very case specific. And I've had cases where I've told people I've, went, I've gone through the analysis. And, and I've told them, uh, you should consider taking it or you should not consider taking it. And here's the beauty of it, John. Uh, insurance company. I actually like the fact that they do this on occasion. And one of the things they even do, just to show that they are above board, at least one insurance company that I know does this, they'll actually tell the person, look, this is your option. If you say no, it will not affect your, your, your disability payments uh, going forward. We're still going to make our decisions on the basis of whatever documents we have. And guess what? We're going to pay for a lawyer to review this with you. You should go and get independent legal advice, and we will pay an hour or an hour and a half worth of, of, of consultation. Nice, a little enticement. And it's enticement, but you know yeah. what? Kudos to them for doing that. I actually think that's very yeah. honorable, and I think that that's the way to do it. Because that way, nobody can come back later and say, well, you know, you misrepresented this lump settlement. I yeah. didn't understand what I was, I was doing. So, so it, but it's very important not to just make a decision on the spot, to, to contact someone, myself, somebody else who deals with LTD, uh, to just go through your specific scenario and understand, does it make sense to settle for a lump sum now or does it not? It's like that cash for life ticket. Do I take the lump sum they're offering, or do I take the you know thousand bucks a week? Right there, you go. My luck, I kicked the bucket after two months. Should have taken the lump sum. Uh, yeah. The email is simple. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to more of those. The phone number four one six two one six fifty nine ten. It is the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Talk Radio AM six forty. Savan's number is real simple, 416-216-5910, and the email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. I got Glenn here from Richmond Hill, writes in, says, I slipped and fell at a restaurant because of a wet floor near the washroom about three months ago. Broke my back and uh, was in hospital for several weeks. My mom was coming every day to help me at home, bring me food. I'm paying her cash for her gas because she has to drive 20 minutes to get me and then go home. Can I get reimbursed for that? So, Glenn, the answer to that is uh, and probably... Then some. Yeah, exactly, and then some. But the answer specifically to the question of this out-of-pocket expense is probably yes. Okay. Just keep in mind that if you were on the other side, you were on the receiving end, you're the insurance company and you have a claimant who says, listen, I'm paying cash for X, Y, and Z, you know, for, for Bob to, to uh, mow my lawn, yep. uh, you know, for, for my mother to do X, Y, and Z. They're going to say, okay, I, we understand that you probably need that service, but can you back that up? Either with a receipt, an invoice, uh, perhaps uh, some record, a, a, of some, some sort. record of something. Exactly. So it comes down to what you can prove, which is why it's not that cash transactions are, are not legitimate. It's that it's more difficult to prove unless you have some kind of a backup some document. Trail. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but but I'll tell you this, Glenn. I mean, just based on on your email, the 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 claim itself that you may have will absolutely dwarf whatever. Uh, it is that you're concerned about with respect to pay, what you're paying for your right. mother. I mean, breaking your back, I'm not sure exactly what that means. If it's a fracture, if you had surgery, I mean, if you're in the hospital for a while, it indicates to me there was probably surgery, perhaps yeah. a compression fracture to one of the vertebrates. Yeah. Very, very important to contact me so we can have a chat about what it is that you're entitled to. Because I'll tell you this, 
what you're paying your mom is nothing yeah, compared to what it's <laughs> nothing compared to what you may potentially need in terms of modifications to your house right. because of this injury. Uh, in terms of what that means in the future, uh, again, I mean, John, the the, the 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 repercussions of these injuries. Oftentimes, when people get injured, they're very optimistic. You know, I broke my leg. I'm going to get better. And and sometimes you do, and oftentimes sure. you do. But sometimes it just completely alters your life and alters it not just for you, but for your immediate family members. You know, I have people who uh, they were they were at home. Um, they, they were, you know, a, 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 a person who took care of the kids. You know, they were cleaning the house. You know, they didn't work outside. They have an injury. Suddenly the entire family's life is turned upside down. They need to hire a housekeeper. That's draining the family financially. There's a lot of consideration. So again, Glenn, give me a call. Have somebody give me a call. Let me just have this, uh, this you know, few minutes to talk with you specifically about your case, and I'll tell you what your options are and what you should do. Whether you hire me, whether you hire someone else, you need to know this information. So going forward, anybody in that position who's you know got someone coming delivering groceries or doing yard work or anything of that uh, that nature, it's just as simple as just getting a word document together and doing it every week and just keeping a simple record. At the very least, if you're paying yeah. cash, which is okay, just make sure that there is a record of exactly what right. you paid that cash for. The better the records, the more believable they are. If you just scribble something down every few months. That's less believable than someone who just takes notes and makes sure that, you know, you have an Excel sheet or a Word yeah. document. And you literally say, you know, from 3 to 5 on Monday, January 18th, yeah. this person came and did X, Y, and Z. I know it's onerous, but at the end of the day, it's going to pay off totally. be- because, you know, you're going to be advancing that as an out-of-pocket expense. We often talk about uh, slips and falls and car accidents, but what happens if someone is injured uh, in another way? For example, if they're uh, they're shopping in a store, like we had our email there, and the store employee, you know, runs into them with a skid full of merchandise and injures them, you know, can they be compensated for that? It sounds complex, but no, and it's not complex at all, and it's happened a lot. And, and in fact, I have a, I've had a lot of experience when I when I defended insurance companies, and they they would hire me to defend stores, retailers. In fact, as a defense lawyer years ago, I used to defend municipalities. I used to actually defend slip and falls uh, in in parking lots, uh, huge chains across the country that Mm. anybody here who's listening to the show would recognize. You know, somebody would be falling on some uh, blueberries uh, in in a grocery store. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you go to to a hardware shop and, and, I don't know, something falls on you from the shelf. If you are injured and someone else was responsible for that, you are entitled for compensation to compensation. The question is how much? The question is what are the specifics of your case? The question is, you know, were you injured in the course of your employment or not? You know, there's a whole bunch of questions. But, you know, this is not just limited to slip and falls and to car accidents. It's absolutely any in any in, in, in any capacity, in any way where somebody else was at fault for the accident. Uh, you, you you are entitled to compensation. And again, this speaks to keeping records when this happens, when you slip on a curb or a raised sidewalk or a hammer drops in your head. Take pictures, pictures, pictures. Get documentation, yeah? Pictures are worth a thousand words. Yeah. I'm telling you, I had uh, a gentleman contact me recently. His wife, uh, who's pregnant, was pregnant, um, was was uh, just getting out of the car, and she tripped over a ledge uh, in, in the sidewalk and she broke her ankle. And then, you know, unfortunately she was induced a day later and, you know, there were some complications, Mm -hmm. but you know, he went back, he took photos. He didn't just take photos of the ledge. He actually, uh, brought a measuring tape and you can actually see that this ledge, you got it. It's almost two inches high, which is clearly negligence. We talked about that before. How high does it have to be to constitute negligence? Again, again, that's very case specific. Uh, but generally speaking, if it's you know an inch and a half or two inches in height, it's probably going to attract negligence, which means you're going to be entitled to compensation. 
We'll take a short break. The number is 416-216-5910. Email simple help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Talk radio, AM640. The number is 416-216-5910. That's Savan's uh, own number and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca for email. So, uh, you know, we're talking about uh, long-term disability, slips and falls, general inquiries. What about if a contractor, okay, contractor, do some work around your house, uh, they did something incorrectly, like put up a ladder that fell on you as you walked by. Can you get compensation for that? I know these cra- questions are crazy. No, you it can. Happens. You 100% can. And you know what? I'm going to take the opportunity to actually uh, plug uh, someone. I had somebody uh, that we hired to finish our basement, and uh, he just did a spectacular job. And, and John, I got to tell you, the, the amount of contractors that have sued in the past for negligence, really? so that answers your question. Absolutely. Either for the fact that the, the work was very shoddy and the, you know it had to be done properly afterwards, uh, or, or for personal injuries. You know, you have a contractor who does something that's wrong and the person gets injured for whatever reason. Absolutely, which is why when you hire a contractor, you want to make sure that th- there are two things, other than price, that they are fully insured, Okay, and I'm talking about not just WSAB, not workers' comp. That's also something you want to make sure they have. But you want to make sure that they have insurance. And you want to make sure that not only do they have insurance for their work, that you have particulars of that insurance. Who's the insurance company? What's the policy number? Because if something happens... Will they give you that? Can, you can ask that, of course. You can ask that. If they want the job, they're going to give it to you. And there's nothing... No, I mean, why, why, why would they hide that? Right. If they have it, they should give it to you. This should be public knowledge. So this gentleman that actually did, our, did the, the basement in our house, his name is Chris Robinson... And I got to tell you, anybody who needs a contractor to Did do some work... Did he see the work, Black Crows? Now he's, uh, now he's doing contracting work. Well, times are hard. He's a, he's a great guy, great yeah. guy. I just I was just amazed by by the detail of his work and, and you know, the timing and the cost and everything. And So anybody who, who wants the contact info uh, for him, j- just give me a call or email me. I'll put you in touch with him. Uh, fantastic guy, really, really high quality. And I'm not talking about a basement that costs a million bucks, okay? I mean, it's, it's nothing even... It's not a 30-person theater. Down no, there no, it's a basic. It's a basic living room with a bedroom with some storage, and and that's it. But it's just really, really well done. But to answer your question, yes, you have a contractor that does shoddy work. Somebody's injured as a result of that. You definitely have recourse against that person, or really their insurance company. So, what's the general rule to know if you've been injured? Like, how do you how do you know if you're entitled to compensation at all? You call me and you email me. Right. That that that's that's what you do yeah. because oftentimes people don't actually know that they're entitled to this. And you know, I'll get people calling me three years later. And again, remember, you have two years to advance a claim. So, really important to understand: uh, in personal injury in Ontario, uh, the, the 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 criteria is: have you been injured? Because if you haven't been injured, then what are you claiming for? Uh, and number two, was somebody else at fault? Okay, if you tripped on your own feet, you're not. Who, who, who are you going to go after? Yourself? I mean, you know. And people actually don't understand that. They call me and they say, "Oh, I, I, I slipped and fell, and and uh, you know, walking down the TTC uh, uh, subway at this and this station, uh, and I got injured. And the injury could be very bad. And I say, okay, well, what caused you to fall? I, I don't know. Was there anything was wrong texting. with the step? <laughs> texting, yeah. yeah. Anything wrong with the steps? No, nothing. Was it slippery? Was there ice? Was there snow? Was was there water? No, nothing. Well, then. What do you want to do? No, no. <laughs> yeah. but, but what do you want to do? Yeah. You have to establish some fault on someone. Right. That's how our system works. Totally. And I'll dissuade people from doing and you know from starting a claim if I think that you're just chasing a ghost if there's nothing there. Uh, not every lawyer would do that. Unfortunately, they'll try and squeeze something from someone from the TTC, from the city, from whatnot. It, it, that's not the way to do it. You have to establish that someone was at fault. Somebody did, did something wrong. They were negligent. And you suffered injuries as a result. If those two criteria are met, 
you likely have a claim. There's a few other things I need to find out, sure. but those are the criteria. Somebody else is at fault and you suffered an injury. It's 416-216-5910. So, you know, it's a time of year, you know, the weather's turned around. A lot of traveling going to be happening. So if you're, uh, say you're injured in a car accident outside the province, uh, but you live here, can you make a claim here or do you have to do it where you were injured? Uh, you, you, you can you can certainly make a claim here okay. uh, if you live here. And, uh, you know, we have we have rules that deal with that. Uh, it really depends on on a, ho- a whole slew of factors. So, so you know, generally speaking, if I have somebody, for example, who uh, was visiting in Florida and they got into a terrible car accident, mm-hmm. if they come back here and really, if you think about it, the damages are here, right? They're going to all their treating providers, the doctors, physiotherapy and all that here. You could start a claim here. The insurance company may contest the jurisdiction. They may say, look, the accident happened in Florida. You have to start a claim in Florida. And again, there are pros and cons to, to, to both scenarios, but you can start a claim here or you can start a claim there. And, you know, we have contacts throughout the U.S. So to the extent that somebody was injured, whether it's California or Texas or New York or, or whatnot, we can certainly put people in touch with lawyers there cool. if, in fact, the laws are more favorable to them in those jurisdictions. We'll uh, take it for another week. Before we go, though, I want to alert you to a couple things. And the first one is the injury calculator. That's right. Injurycalculator.ca, an anonymous tool. You should you should definitely go to it if you've been injured, if somebody else has been injured. It is anonymous, and it's an online tool. It takes you 20 seconds, plug in the information, what's the injury, uh, when it happened, and you're going to find out what you could be entitled to in terms of compensation if you start a claim for that compensation. We cover a lot of stuff on the show every week. If you have questions that didn't get answered, you can also email. I'll get that address here in just a moment. And if not that, the other option is to go to mydisabilityquestions.com or myaccidentquestions.com. There's a drop-down menu. Probably your question has already been asked and answered. If not, you can plug it in, and Savannah will get back to you uh, as soon as he can. The email I was uh, just speaking of, help at the insurancelawyer.ca to ask any questions and the phone number anytime now that the show is over or otherwise. 416 216 This has been the Insurance and Injury Law Show on Talk Radio, AM 640.